Hi, hello, welcome to the channel of curiosity. I am really excited today because I get to chat with my best friend Nicolette and share her energy with y'all. Uh, we were just having a BFF boss babe chat session, like helping each other with business stuff and started having this conversation that was just too good to keep to ourselves. So we <laughs> thank you so much for being spontaneous with me, my beautiful friend Nicolette. <laughs> you know that's how I roll, girl. I just do anything anytime. <laughs> I know. I love it. I love it. Um, so Nicolette and I have known each other. Uh, we figured out today it's been almost 30 years. She was the first friend I met when I first moved in sixth grade. And we talk <laughs> about that story all the time because it's so fabulous. <laughs> like it's one of the most memorable stories. It is. <laughs> I just want to paint a picture for the people. It's 1994, three, wait, 93, 1993. So we didn't have hair products <laughs> and we didn't have cute glasses. <laughs> no, um, or cute clothes. I'll say that. Well, maybe no. you did. I certainly did not. <laughs> no, I was in my like hip, hippie stage. I I mean, it's still going on, but I had, <laughs> I had rings on every finger. I wore like a Beatles t-shirt. Um, you had the best waves. Like, <laughs> it's golden. <laughs> like Jesse from Stay by the Bell. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we met in band class, just to keep adding to the flavor here. We both played we the did. saxophone. The well, I, okay. I'm going to clarify because the very first time we met was in the hall. It was in the hall <laughs> on the way into band class. It was my first yeah. day. The counselor was showing me around, and she's like walking me to band. And I'm nervous because I'm 12 year old mental projector me. Like, I'm I'm convinced that somebody's going to beat me up for being the new kid. <laughs> I don't know why. And luckily, Nicolette walks down the hall, and the counselor says, "Oh, hello, Nicolette. This is Rebecca. She's new." can you show her in? And I'd look at Nicolette with her bottle cap glasses <laughs> and her eyes are like so big. But then I found out yes. why your eyes were so big. Yes. I was caught sneaking candy back in the band. <laughs> um, I, I snuck out and I went and got my regular pack of sweet tarts. <laughs> and if you, <laughs> from the vending machine, if you remember those, they were in a box. Okay. And the box like jingled like jingle bells when it was in your pocket. So I had stuff in my pocket. Clearly you'd be able to see it. Okay. And I'm trying to like, walk so slowly that it's not like jiggle, 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 jiggle. So I'm like, like terrified I'm going to have to go to the principal's office or something because I got caught with candy in my pocket. <laughs> but we made it. We made it to the band room without. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. And I'm and, so grateful for my candy fetish to uh, to have been able to meet you. I don't know that we would have. I have no idea, but universe okay. combined. <laughs> yes. See, isn't it so interesting how these little moments just change things? Because what if you hadn't have gotten candy at that moment? Maybe yeah. I would have just been sent into the room by myself, and who knows what would have happened, or who I would have sat next to. You know, it's just so wild. These little things that bring us yep. together, and then. We never could have guessed 12-year-old little lessons <laughs> that 30 years later yeah. we'd be we'd be talking over the internet yes, <laughs> to make yes. a podcast because none of that existed. <laughs> no, barely computers. Oh my gosh. It's like we're dinosaurs. <laughs> I know. It's so weird to think back. So weird to think back. Um well. So for reference, for the people listening, because I know we have human design people listening, Nicolette is a 1-4 peer generator with a wide open solar plexus and a wide open heart center. So, um, and a very, very defined spleen. It's very fascinating. And so I just feel like so safe and cozy anytime I'm in Nicolette's space. And I just am grateful for your energy. So that's just a, a reference for anybody who is listening to things because you'll, you'll... Me... sorry that makes me so happy to hear that like to me that's my purpose in living is to make everybody feel loved and comfortable always listening and you do a beautiful job at it 
wait. And in our business little session here, we were talking, well, you, you are just helping me gather some ideas about different things. And I was telling you how the like inner critic part of me or like this resistance part of me that shows up sometimes when I talk about wanting to share my offerings or, or this human design course that I want to promote soon and how I kind of shut down and thinking like, who, who cares? Like what's, you know, that's the story that pops in my head that keeps me from doing it. And we've worked together and hearing you talk about how it impacted you just really helped me because another big thing that I had to overcome in sharing human design publicly was worrying about what the quote unquote church people would think and how they would react to me. Cause mm-hmm. we live in a very conservative part of the country. And I, I mean, a couple times, it's only been like twice random people are like, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. <laughs> Thank you for my yeah. success. I appreciate it. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I just had to realize, like, I feel called to share this. Like, this feels like a beautiful, amazing tool to me. I'm going to share it. And if people don't agree with it, that's fine. But I still love them and just had to overcome that. And so to hear you as a member of a church, like your your faith is very important to you. And it's something I really appreciate about you and love about you. And the fact that you said that this like knowing human design helped you you were saying that really felt beneficial to me and I thought mm-hmm. this like the conversation we we're having was so good and I know there's other people out there who might have conservative family members or maybe they're mm-hmm. kind of back and forth of like like working with their beliefs and with human design so anyway let's just yeah let's just chat so let me that. let me first say <clears throat> Understanding human design and being interested in it and learning about it does not jeopardize your faith. It Mm. doesn't replace it. The only thing I can say is that it amplified it for me. Mm. Like being able to understand, like, I I know where I come from. Like my faith is, I remember the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So quote, unquote, Mm. Mormons for those that know that title. But it's. I already understand what I feel like is my divine worth. I come from God and, and I, there's a, a plan of salvation that I understand, but he, like, we don't know who we really are on this earth. Other than that, we have to learn and develop ourselves. And I'm like, I turned 40 this year. And for the first time in my 40 years of life, human design helped me to understand my makeup, like how I was meant to be created. So to me, it's part of that creation and it just only highlights it and it's, it's a beautiful partner in it and it doesn't replace it. It doesn't negate it. It just, it's, it's harmonizes to me with it. Hmm. I just think that's so beautiful because that's how I see it too. It's almost like an instruction manual from God and the Bible talks about how we're uniquely created, you know, and, and that's a lot of the messaging that I remember getting at church, like, you know, God created you to be special. And Mm -hmm. I mean, in my specific church, there's a little more toxic messages, but, uh, that's, that's the thing. It's like, it really highlights your uniqueness and Mm -hmm. none of this takes away from anything in the church. I personally, do not go to church anymore, but I have so much respect for it as well. Like I get protective of other people's religion. <laughs> if- yeah, I know you've always been so great. <laughs> like, I mean, even like we've never been a part of the same church, but you would always go to the events and activities with me and humor well, me. We've had great gospel talk, doctrine topics. And- yes. Yeah. And to be fair, the LDS church and teachings is the one is one that intrigues me the most because it it's a little, it can be a little more mystical than like the standard mm-hmm. Christianity, especially me growing up Southern Baptist slash Baptist slash new age. They kind of went through a transition. There was, it, it's just different. So it, some of the more Mormon teachings, mm-hmm. um, Sorry, I try to say LDS instead of Mormon. It just came out. Of my mouth. It's I know it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> I feel like in the '90s it was just Mormon, and then yeah, it, it is. So yeah, yep. And they've really taken a little bit more value in the name, which I believe. You know, I'm 
names are important. My name's Nicolette. Your name's Rebecca. Like that's how mm-hmm. we identify ourselves. And so mm-hmm. the church wants to be sure, like we're identified as the church of Jesus Christ. Right. So. Right. Right. Know, and that's fine. It's schematic. Well, like you said, yeah, I, I really want to honor names and, but it's just interesting. Cause I, I feel like the conditioning come out of my mouth a lot like especially this is similar but different like there's a lot of kids now who don't go by their given names at the high school you know and there's Mm -hmm. a few who just identify different and I'm all for it I'm like dude explore your personality explore who you are like take charge of who you are Mm -hmm. that's great and so I make sure to really honor it if I know somebody goes by a different name I I will cross it out on the sheet and write it down for future subs Mm -hmm. Because some subs have an issue with it. Anyway, that's the same thing. It's like, I really want to honor people's names. I want to honor the church's name. But then at the same time, sometimes I find myself, like one kid told me their pronouns were they. So I'm like trying real hard. But then I kept saying she, because she was in, or they were in the P, the mm-hmm. girls PE class with me. And I'm like, I can't, mm-hmm. it's just, ugh. I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> I know that's how you want to identify and to respect that. But yeah. And that's the beauty of it. It's like, that's their choice. It's not ours. It's it, 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 right. essentially, it's like a nickname. Like my name's Nicolette. Some people call me Nikki. Yeah. Okay. My mom still does. My mom never says Nicolette. She- <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't. I would feel like I would be in trouble if your mom said my first name. Like, <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, I did flip the carrots off the table. I'm sorry. I picked them all up. I thought she probably has a dry carrot somewhere in her house. <laughs> you remember that? We were spinning the table. <laughs> we had a turntable and we had a bunch of vegetables on there and I like spun it like a. I forgot about that. <laughs> cotton had a nitty muggins and it like flew everywhere. <laughs> so sorry, Chris. If you're hearing this right now. <laughs> that's okay I think your mom still has some feelings about me taking you to get a tattoo so <laughs> no. oh she loves you she she does not she, I remember her saying when I got my tattoo um I don't care how pretty and cute it is I don't like it <laughs> I'm like yeah you do that woman would probably get one now today anyway yeah it's funny so funny oh man tattoo. um <laughs> okay so so when we go back to the human design aspect do you remember like um another thing we we're talking about is how you don't have to go deep like I go deep into the system because I just keep feeling invited into it and and like there's parts of my circuitry where I'm like oh yeah this makes sense I'm just gonna nerd out on my thing because that's just what I do mm-hmm. and for you, it wasn't necessarily like, you're not like, I want to know all about this system. It was just like, you picked up on a few things from when I was talking through your chart and that made some shifts for you. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what those things were? Yeah. So it's very top level for me. And that was enough for like, for the piece of the puzzle of who I was and what I was trying to do in my life at the time fit. So to understand one that I'm a generator, like, and I, I know that you added to that when you introduced me today. I don't, I still don't even know what that means. <laughs> so I'm like, yep, I'm a generator. Um, and it, understanding I'm a generator really spoke to me. It, mm-hmm. it was very accurate in its description of me as a, as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I didn't make it fit. I wasn't like, oh yeah, I can see how, like, I didn't stretch it. You know, I was like, oh, I can see how that works for me, you know. No, I was like, mm-hmm, that's me. Yep, mm-hmm. that's exactly how I am. Yep, this is how I communicate with people. This is how I perceive people. This is how I make choices. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like <laughs> I needed this tool more than I could ever have known for so long. I think it would have helped me make different decisions in years past. Yes, yes. I think that's, that's one of the huge things for so many people too. Because for you having that sacral authority, it's like, that's both your strategy and your authority. So your gut is everything. Like you have a response to people and to places and you have this life force energy and this enveloping aura. Like it's just makes so much sense. And I see this with generators too, who have been conditioned out of listening to their sacral because especially when we grew up like in the eighties and nineties, if you just know something, like you've got this gut response to something like this person's great, mm-hmm. this person's not great, or I don't want to do this thing. I can't tell you why. I just don't want to. My body says no. 
parents are going to stick with that. They're not like, okay, it's 1985 and we're letting kids listen to their intuition. No, they're like, I'm the mom, you do it. I don't Uh care. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is, we're all born with intuition. We're all born with this light and the ability to make choices. We're born with agency, each and every single one of us. And so that all is going to develop at a young age. Mm-hmm. And we're taught, right? We're, we're taught by our parents to make choices, hopefully for the most part. You know, some circumstances are different, but with human design and also understanding our being a generator um, and you said open sacral, right? No, you have Sorry. an open solar plexus and an open heart. Yes. Okay, open solar plexus and open heart, which to me meant that I needed to set more boundaries for those around me. Yes. Yes. So I'm very service oriented to a point where I'm sacrificing my mental health, my physical health sometimes. And I would put anybody first, give them all my clothes, all my food and suffer just to make sure that they're comfortable. And then I was realizing that's not always helping them. Like Mm -hmm. me not being able to be a source of help after I do all that and exhaust myself. I had to learn to like, how do I channel this and still people get the help that I want to give them um, and love to give them, but also take care of myself and love myself at the same time to continue to do that. Mm. That is a huge lesson for the open solar plexus because it does feel so much. It feels all the things. Mm. And you have this channel, the 2750 channel, which is like the mother Teresa channel. And it essentially within that energy, it says, all everything you just said it's like this one will take care of others before themselves that's what they're driven to do and so you have to really watch your boundaries and so having both of those together it just really affirms like hey it's it's time to rest and I know we talked about I probably I think I said Mm -hmm. this to you just the other day I was like I'm glad you're resting (laughs) yes yes (laughs) my body forced me to rest and that's the problem I gotta learn to rest before I like exhaust myself yes um but that's part of the process, right? Like we just, yeah. you, you learn every time. Like I've been watching you. Um, well, uh, it was a little over a year ago. It was about a year and a half ago now ish when I started the boss babes group and you were in that. And I remember you got mm-hmm. sick in that. And I mm-hmm. had this like weird channel and I was like, sit down, rest, <laughs> stop doing it. And I, and then I just like came to, and I was like, okay, I hope that wasn't mean. I don't know what I just said. So <laughs> And, and I've, so I just want to acknowledge you though, that in this past year, like watching you, you, you get better at it every time. Like sure. Your body still knocked you down this time, but it wasn't as much mm-hmm. as, as last time. Yeah. It was three weeks last yeah. time, last year. This time it's just, um, I would say like six days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But was- I, I made it slower though. I probably, I, could, mm-hmm. I could probably could have bounced back faster, but I was like, are you ready? Because like, mm-hmm. are you ready to get back into the thick of things today? And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I'm just not. I need just like one more day. And that is also helping me to build stronger boundaries. Like I, that's mm-hmm. you taking care of yourself and that's okay. And it was great. Yes. And I feel even better. Yeah. I'm glad you said that too, because that is another thing where I would see you kind of try to push yourself out of it because you wanted to feel better. And then, so you would focus Mm -hmm. on other people and for you to focus on yourself. And I know we didn't talk for a few days, like at all. And I'm like, great. Like anytime we don't talk for a few days, I'm like, Nicolette's resting. This is great. Like, (laughs) (laughs) It makes me feel so guilty, but I'm like, if I just, I have to, I have to, I have to take time for myself. Like yes. I'm, I'm like, if I'm treating everybody else as this great, like I need to treat myself this great too. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like I'm tuning my own horn by all means. I'm, I'm not a, a service of saints. I'm just saying like, I, how I love people. I need to love myself the same. Yeah. But that messaging is so huge. Like I hope others are hearing that because you are what, not the only woman who, who does that yeah. and sacrifices mm-hmm. herself for everybody else. So many people do that. And that would be the pushback that I would get when I would talk to some people about my offerings or like what I do. And they're like, you know, one person, one person told me, well, but I just love my people. And so I want to take care of them. And I said, that's awesome. But while you're taking care of everybody else, who is taking care of you? And she didn't have an answer. She's like, that's a really good question. I was like, that's the point. Like you are your own responsibility. Really? 
you are the only person you're responsible for. That is it. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes me think about a bridge, oddly enough, just in this moment. A bridge is built off a very strong concrete foundation. The pillars are put in. There's a lot of construction that goes into it. Architectural design to be able to handle the weight and the pressure and the movement. Wind, water, vehicles, right? Earth shifts. And so you, you build this foundation of yourself, right? And then you have to maintain it. Like if, if you don't take care of it, if you don't have the proper resources and tools and materials, then you jeopardize the structure of the bridge and it can mm-hmm. crumble and cause devastation. Like within yourself, within your family, your community. And we see, I think we're seeing that so much more now these days as people are pushing themselves and exhausting themselves instead of like stopping and taking care of that maintenance that they need, you know, Mm -hmm. like your daily rejuvenation, if you need to meditation, hydration, whatever, whatever it is that's for you, that gives back to your soul and your heart. We just have to take time to do this like self maintenance or self care, you know, that we're all familiar with hearing about. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> it just, it hurts my heart that it's so difficult for people to do that. Um, and that's part of what I want to do, like help people to know that. And I think for me, like looking at the human design chart helps to put specifics on for people where like, I can look at you and say, look, you have two completely wide open centers, which are like the hardest ones to have wide open. So boundaries Mm -hmm. are huge for you. And that gives you like this visual of like, Hey, look, there's, here's what's happening. And here's, what's going to knock you out if you don't pay attention to it. And then also here's your strengths. Here's what you can lean on. Here's gifts that you have. And it's different for everybody. Like you said before, we all have intuition and we do. And Mm -hmm. it, it kind of pinpoints that in the human design chart too, when we talk about the authority and that's what's fascinating too. Like I look at your, you, your pure generator, but you have two channels going from your sacral to your spleen and one going from your sacral to your root. And so that's like, okay, there's so much energy there. There's so much intuitive energy there. Your body knows. And it, it shows up. Like you just said, your body shuts you down. You're, mm-hmm. if you're not going to rest, your body's like, fine. I'll make mm-hmm. you rest. And that's all that intuition in there happening. And there's other peer generators who don't have quite as much definition there. They, it's a little different. So there might speak to the, to their body a little differently. And it's just really cool. Helps you to, <laughs> to connect to your own thing. Another thing I find really fascinating, um, as you know, your birthday is the day before my ex-husband's. And so y'all's design is so similar and it just fascinates me. I keep looking at this. I'm like, why do I get along so well with Nicolette <laughs> and not the ex? But that like, to me, just from my curiosity standpoint, I'm like, okay, well, here's where I can see the not self popping up in different areas and, and how Nicolette has done work in these areas. And anyway, mm-hmm. it's just, it's really cool. It's really cool. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about the work you're doing. Cause when we started the boss babes before, uh, you know, when we started that last year and you didn't quite know what you wanted to do. And then it turned into this grief counseling. And I just thought that was so amazing and such a gift to the world. And I know you've been kind of developing it off and on this past year. Uh, mm-hmm. So did you want to talk more about what you do inside of that or what your goals sure. are inside of that? Yeah. So what, what made me really hone in on grief and and coaching people through it? Uh, I'm not a licensed professional counselor yet. That's something I'm working on. It's going to take time, but uh, the experience that I've had in my life and, and part education I've received pushed me into the direction of, I want to help people take their grief and not have to be burdened and prisoner to it that they can learn how to live life confidently you know through it grief is never leaves us right grief is a part of our love system it's mm-hmm. the love of something we've lost or the love of something that we may never have like it doesn't just go with death and we all know that right there's loss of job there's loss of friendships relationships there's change in life there's you know sometimes even getting married or having children or not being able to have children like it is such an uncat like uncapped category that I don't feel like the world really shines light enough on it 
because it results so much into mental illness and um, you know even those that want to unlove themselves again and it's just not a topic that I feel like is highlighted enough people don't know how to work through grief deal with grief and sometimes you just need someone by your side to help you get through it not over it I I hate it when the people like oh just get over it like Mm -hmm. it's not something you can get over ever it's just going to be a part of you forever and so it's very rewarding to be able to work with individuals to let them know like you can have hope to live life without this deep deep anguished pain every day and workable tools to help you take action that will change that in you if they Mm -hmm. want it they Mm -hmm. have to do the work and it's hard and painful work but so rewarding for them to be able to continue to live life even though you know they're living past loss Mm. see such beautiful work and brave work and deep work because for you to be able to show up for people in that space is so huge like I know that for me that would that would be too too much energy I don't think I'd be Mm -hmm. able to hold the space needed and so for you to do that I think it's so beautiful and then also i when you said grief is part of our love system, that just really hit me because I don't think we talk, I mean, exactly like you said, we don't talk about grief enough in general and then Mm -hmm. the nuance of it because, I mean, even I know it comes in different levels and on different things like any loss, Mm -hmm. but still immediately, the first thing I think of is death. Like, oh yeah, you Mm -hmm. grieve when you lose somebody, but there's grief in all kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. And to be able to actively heal that it's really powerful I even think like the world right now there's I feel like there's a lot more grief that we've been subjected to because of you know the global catastrophe of COVID-19 everybody's lives changed everybody even if it didn't change completely which mine did completely it adjusted in some manner something shifted in your life and everything that you knew before is now not the same. Mm-hmm. And like, even like the hope and wish that it would go back to normal. How many times do you hear everybody say that? Oh, I wish things would just go back to normal. You know, that's, that's part of that, that grief. It may not be like devastation and you're in your bed and covered under the blanket weeping all night, but it's, um, it's loss, it's change. And yeah, I just think that we need to be a little bit more transparent about it. And allow more time for it. When I think about the corporate system, bereavement is five days. That's so ridiculous. And that's just for loss. Five days. Yeah. That drives me crazy. Like there was a teacher at the high school who lost her mom. Mm. She took one day off to go do the funeral. And I I went and gave her my phone number. I was like, you call me if you need a sub because I can't imagine and yeah because five days that's yeah five days so what what my connection to grief is I guess I didn't really explain that um I was introduced to such a very young age I didn't know how to process it as a child when I was 12 my grandparents were killed by a drunk driver so it was a very immediate immediate and tragic event for our family um, my uncle worked really hard with MAD. It's an organization um, that advocates for those that have been affected by drunk driving and losses from it. Um, he actually helped change the legal alcohol limit in the state of Texas mm. um, because the man that, that hit my grandparents had 40 containers, open containers of alcohol in his car. Oh my uh, gosh. And he'd already been arrested before for you know driving under the influence. And it just is something that could have been avoided, you know, the selfish act. But even then I think about like, what was this man going through where he felt like he had to drown his life in substance use, right? So Mm -hmm. there was anger, obviously, and malice and hate and all the emotions as a kid. Uh, And I remember writing this letter to this man who was alive in the hospital. It didn't kill him. But when I went to go visit my grandfather, who was on life support for nine days after the accident, but then they had to take him off life support. He couldn't live after that. Um, I saw him laying in his bed and my aunt told me that that was the man that had 
you know, my grandparents. And I remember going back and writing a letter and just anger was like pouring out of my body. This 12 year old just writing all the angry things. And my dad, I gave it to my dad to give to the man. And years later, I came upon this letter. My dad had saved it. He never gave it to that man. Mm. And I thought like, how admirable, like this man who has taken his parents from him did not give this letter, which probably wrote, if not most of the things, like uh, touched on the things that he was feeling about the loss of his parents, that he didn't do that. And it, it taught me a really valuable lesson of like love and forgiveness. Um, I mean, obviously you don't forget, but the, the compassion that it just really touched my heart. And I just have always been connected to those that are in pain, that I just wanted to help help them find a way to release that in some form and to live through it. I don't think you've told me about that letter part before. No. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like that was really um, just brave of you at 12 years old, like 12 years old, first of all, to have the knowledge to write out your feelings like that in general and then to to direct it to this man and it, I just like that and then I, I do think it's great that your dad saved it like what did you feel when you saw it again when you reread it um I at first couldn't believe that as a young child I knew the feelings that were in that letter and then I felt like not not betrayal but I was like what why wouldn't he have given this to him like this man needed to know these things yeah like how he's affected our lives and then I thought well compassion has to win here I I cannot imagine and it's not to negate the tragic the tragedy that happened for our family but I cannot imagine what this man has to live with I mean he was sentenced to two life sentences for manslaughter and never was a free man after that he died in prison so the rest of his life was prison and he didn't get to be with his family you know and some people were like well he wouldn't deserve that but that's not how I feel you know I, I'm being in a Christian faith I believe in you know forgiveness and I believe in restitution and um, I'm sure that is a sound mind he wouldn't have done what he did but he had an addiction that wasn't helped and other people suffered from it so it just built so much strength and compassion in me and it's helped me a lot in my life for those that have you know done other things towards myself or my family or even within my family that I've had to cultivate love and forgiveness but also I've also had to learn to set boundaries of what type Mm -hmm. of relationship I'm going to have to have with these people which is the hardest thing so that's um kind of what I felt from that all the emotions but in the end compassion that I didn't add to this man's guilt and pain too I mean that's that's a huge one so there's a lot of connections I'm making here from from you talking first of all I wouldn't have thought about this outside of this context but when I think about this man with 40 contain like empty containers of alcohol and driving and all of this clearly he was hurting he was probably stuck in grief of something and that's why he was numbing so much so grief begets grief and then the other thing that hits me is the forgiveness aspect where forgiveness is so important that's something that we kind of misunderstand in our society too I feel like and to have that forgiveness to help release you from the grief, but then it's not like forgiving, like the way you talk about it. It's like, yes, I, I see this man as a human. I I can look over here and see the human things he was doing, but that doesn't mean that I'm okay with what he did Mm -hmm. or the outcome of it, but you're not holding on to like this anger, bitterness. So how trying to figure out how to ask this question, but how does forgiveness relate to grief? How do you how do you move into forgiveness? What does forgiveness even mean? Oh, that is a good, <laughs> good <laughs> I will do my best to answer it. Obviously, it's just going to have to come from me. But 
how do we move to forgiveness from grief? I mean, I just want to make sure I'm understanding the context here <laughs> and how it's related. Um, like I said, obviously forgiveness is also a part of our love system. Mm -hmm. So it's all interconnected. Grief is, is pain. It is pain of not being able to love or have something that we have once had or the opportunity to have. And that's going to be affected by multiple things. And it doesn't do us any good. It really doesn't to withhold forgiveness. Forgiveness is not for the other individual. This man could probably have cared less if I forgave him. My parents forgave him. My uncles and aunts, he, he probably could have cared less. It wouldn't have affected the outcome at all. Mm -hmm. So why should I continue to suffer and having this animosity, this anger, this frustration that is just mind consuming? It consumes you and it, it affects you and, and actually creates fear within us. Fear of, you know, of trust, fear of, hope like or inability to hope for things um and i i think that once we realize that forgiveness is a tool to help heal um, grief then that is a beautiful couple to being able to move forward and live a more productive life not forgetting about what's happened not not honoring what what we've lost or who we've lost um but not debilitating ourselves anymore for it mm. if we choose not to forgive it really is self-debilitating it's self-sabotage mm. that's true i know i've felt that um and I, I think the thing that kept me from forgiveness for so long is i felt like if i forgave the person, then it was almost like what happened never happened. It, mm -hmm. for some reason, the story in my head was, well, then it, it means that my truth doesn't exist anymore, which is a weird, weird, kind of a weird thing to say mm -hmm. from this outside perspective, mm -hmm. but inside of it, that's why I held on so much. Like if I hold on to my anger and if I hold on to my story, then that's the only proof I have that this thing happened. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that? All, yes, very much so. It invalidates things, right? Mm -hmm. And also you may feel like you've accepted what's happened. Mm -hmm. That it, it made what happened acceptable, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not acceptable. And for it does not give someone the power that what they've done or what they did, that it was okay. It doesn't give like, it, and it's not up to us to even to judge the situation, right? It, it, it's really not, it, it is beyond us. It is higher than us. And for whatever faith system you believe in, it's only setting you back from other good and beautiful blessings to come into your life you're mentally disabled right if you think about it like you, you just mm. how many days do you just wait not waste but you don't fully utilize because you aren't sound of mind and really sound of heart and so your choices are different your relationships are different and so we're missing out on these other things that can not replace but add to what we've lost i'm just letting that all sink in for a second sometimes <laughs> i forget i'm on a podcast I'm like oh there's blank empty air um, that's the beauty of editing <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, thank you so much for sharing that perspective because i just know i just i was just thinking back to the me that was like deep in the grief and deep in the pain and what what would I have needed to hold on to to make that first step towards forgiveness? And or like what did I hold on to to make that first step? And so I know that that message will help somebody out there because grief, like we talked about, it just comes in so many ways. And I still have it sometimes 
with things and it'll it'll come up like something will hit me and I'll get bitter all over again but I'm like oh wait no let's sit with it yeah I think just acknowledging that it's there sometimes like a lot of times we suppress we push it away because we don't want to feel it Mm -hmm. but if you don't approach it if you don't confront it then you can't resolve it Mm -hmm. you're just putting a band-aid over it it's like you can't let your wound heal if you keep leaving a band-aid over it Mm-hmm. right I think I said this the other day on something I posted on social media like a wound needs nourishment so you have to give it nourishment um if you keep it covered it it doesn't heal properly and it can get infected if you don't clean it right so like you have to let it breathe you have to let it out you have to mm-hmm. handle it delicately and that's the same with our hearts and our minds like grief affects us both in our heart and our mind our nervous system it, it causes mm-hmm. us to if we just let it go without nourishing it makes us sick it makes us obviously depressed it, it can just cause this snowball effect within our bodies and that's just no way to live even though probably some people don't feel like living when they feel like that but it's worth healing it's so worth healing it absolutely yeah yeah thank you so much for sharing all that perspective I know I mean what what a beautiful offering to offer up to the world to be a source of love and support inside of such a dark space a potentially dark space yeah it is and and working with individuals I know people have asked me like that's that's a special gift it, I could not imagine having to, to have these conversations and try to like almost emotionally manage something that somebody feels like they can't even move through or past. And I mean, it can be heavy, but the love that I have for these individuals and knowing that there is relief from, from the grief that they're feeling, unquenchable grief, that it is possible for them to uh, move through that. And that's just what I want to do is help them move through it, help them to get on enough footing and ground so that they can start feeling like life worth living or they want to be happy, right? Like they don't feel mm-hmm. happy. They, nothing excites them. Like things that used to excite them no longer excite them. Um, they don't laugh as easy as they used to, or they can't trust people. Um, and all that can change just as it changed you know, from what they used to be in, into their this, this space of grief. I I gotta say too that this, like all of that, really highlights the gift and the strength inside of having a wide open solar plexus. Like we talked about how it can be really debilitating at first because you're feeling everybody else's stuff, and if you're in mm-hmm. the shadow side of it, then you're letting that overwhelm you, which I know you've done in the past, but the gift and the beauty here is is this like you have this endless capacity to understand emotions it's like Mm -hmm. you're this emotional container and you can let it all flow through not I mean container is not the right word like hose maybe because then it Mm -hmm. flows through it's not like you're holding on to it right but you I do (laughs) (laughs) yes Yes. But to have that wide open solar plexus there is, is to be able to meet people in all spaces of emotions. And that's such a gift when you're able to stand strong in your own self and in your own strengths and your definition and not let that part overwhelm you. Yeah. It's really cool. I think also if I could share one thing with people out there is that if you know someone's in grief, like don't, don't be toxic positive with them. Mm. Don't be like, um, well, I mean, you're so blessed to live today, right? Sure. Like, and, and look, they, they all know that they, they all know the blessings they should feel. They don't need someone shoving it down their throat. Like mm-hmm. they don't need someone pushing them into sunshine when maybe they need someone sitting next to them for a minute and carrying that burden with them. Sometimes if you just lift the burden a little bit for them, then that allows them to maybe see a crack of sunshine and they're like, okay, that felt good. And then that, that just will continue to build. Mm. So just, if you don't know what to do, just sit there and be with them. If you don't know what to say, 
to say, I don't know what to say or how to help you, but I can be here for you, just sit with you and support you in that way. That is huge. That is huge. And that's beautiful advice. Because you're right. I think sometimes we try to just make things better for people or we want to do something and don't really know what to do. And I like you saying that just reminded me of different things. Like part of why I can't, I just don't go to church anymore is because of this terrible experience where the church people, instead of being loving and supportive, were saying things like, well, God knows. And this is all part of God's plan. Like my, it was my best friend who's eight day old child passed away and they're telling her well now you know how god feels because his son died and god god this is in god's plan all while also praising the pregnant woman next to her saying children are such a blessing oh my goodness it was horrible and then i ended up yelling at the chaplain (laughs) We were, (laughs) we were living on base and this was all inside of the chaplain and, and because the chaplain ended up kind of using my friend's situation and Mm. it it was like this huge mess and the chaplain couldn't understand why I was upset. And anyway, um, that, I mean, and this was a while back, but I think of that and, and that's what gets me whenever I'm around somebody now with some deep stuff I think about the nonsense and how my friend felt with that and how I how protective I felt of my friend and just like you said like just being there because and I felt so bad too because Oliver was three months old when this happened I had just had a baby who's still alive and it crushed me like how am Mm. I supposed to take care of my friend like how is she supposed to be around me but I was just there and we're still friends to this day. So, <laughs> and that is a long lasting friendship because uh, you loved your friend. Sure. You can have faith and understand the faith of foundation of stuff, but that doesn't negate these things that we have to go through. Look, people forget Jesus wept. Jesus mm-hmm. was betrayed. Like he, it's not a perfect, beautiful thing that happened. It's one of the most devastating things in, you know, in a, in a faith community that happened. So he was like killed and mistreated and abused and betrayed. Like, come on, y'all. It's a, it's a really a deep story. And yeah, all he showed was love and compassion. So if you want to be like him, then that's being like him. Like not saying inappropriate things. Well, and I think that's another thing that really intrigues me about um, about your church, about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, where I see so much more community in y'all, and then the kind of typical Baptist stuff. Like I was saying, that's where I see a lot, a little more of the toxicity, and and just in general, like hearing y'all's interpretation of some of the major Bible stories is very different from the ones that I grew up with. Like everything you were just saying, like really honoring what happened to Jesus in those moments and the suffering and everything. And I feel like I hear more of like, oh, he died for us. Or like they try to Mm -hmm. just kind of glorify it somehow. I mean, he did die for us, but people killed him. (laughs) right but they don't talk about that part it's just it's just interesting um so so yeah and I so I'm a very interesting faith believer I guess if you will I I um I'm really more about the principles of the doctrine instead of the fluff I guess you know like Mm. to me it's it's simple. It's black and white. Um, and the most important thing we are taught is to love others and love them as ourselves. Like, so you're going to love others, how you love yourself, how are you Mm -hmm. loving yourself is a reflection of how you're loving others. 
And that goes back to what we were talking about, right? Like you have to take care of yourself. That is the only way you're going to be able to love other people. Yes. And that's a universal thing, y'all. It's not just a, a faith thing. Like love yourself. And that's not a selfish thing. That's not a cocky thing. That's not a, you know, chauvinistic thing, a narcissistical thing. It is literally, you have got to take care of yourself in order to take care of other people. You do. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to share this last thing on on grief. It's a quote that I found a long time ago, and I love it. And the author is unknown, but it's been shared by other resources. Um, But it says, grief never ends, but it changes. It's a Mm. passage, not a place to stay. Grief is not a sign of weakness, nor a lack of faith. It is the price of love. Mm, that's beautiful Uh, and I know I've shared this before and I just feel like it's always good to reshare (laughs) that's beautiful thank you so much for sharing that and thank you so much for sharing all of your beautiful gorgeous wisdom um sorry my kid just texted me I don't know if you could hear that ding (laughs) thank you for no it's fine I I loved it great (laughs) thank you so much for being here and for chatting and for being your spontaneous, amazing, beautiful self. Um, uh, do you want to tell the people how to reach you? If they sure. Reach I'm, you? I'm on all social media platforms, first of all. So TikTok, it's Rally Up Gal. Instagram. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Let me start that over. You can just sniff that out. <laughs> Find me on Instagram. <laughs> You don't have to edit it. It's okay. I'm human. So yes, um, TikTok is Rally Up Gal. Instagram is Rally Up. Um, and Facebook is also Rally Up. So that's where they can find me. And I'm doing all sorts of different projects right now. But if somebody needs an advocate to reach out to, if they're having just a hard spot with um, moving forward in whatever, um, whatever they're grieving through, there is no rhyme or reason of what, what it is and what's caused it. Um, then they can reach out to me and I'll be happy to have a conversation with them and see how I can just help them, give them some love and maybe some direction if they'd like. Absolutely. I know I'm grateful to have you just a Marco Polo away. And I'm just excited to see how much you grow and develop this year and the people that you're able to support and it's so much fun. And I know you have some other secret fun things in the works and it's going to be great to watch you, watch you take off this year. It's going to be so fun. And I just love you so much. I love you so much. And I want everybody (laughs) to know that you can have faith and human design. It is a wonderful (laughs) tool. Get it in your tool belt. Rebecca can help pull your charts and you can understand who you are a little bit better and go with it you don't have to go deep dive into it surface level is a lot of information already and it's so helpful (laughs) it is it is it is thank you so much thank you i love you you're welcome i love you